TV, comics, movie stars, hit singles and some toys. It's trivia and dirty jokes, an evening with the boys. Once is never good enough for something so fantastic. So here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Colossal classic. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Like Robert Quarry in The Return of Count Yorga, our guest this week is also returning for a second time. He's an actor, voice artist, a producer, podcaster, and author, a film historian, and Emmy-winning comedy writer, and one of the best and most admired stand-up comics of his generation. You've seen him in films like Mystery Men, My Fellow Americans, Father's Day, Dumb and Dumber, When Harry Met Lloyd, The Aristocrats, that rings a bell, as well as on popular TV shows like Seinfeld, The King of Queens, The Daily Show, Conan, Our family guy, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Anger Management, I'm Dying Up Here, and Stan vs. Evil, which he also produced and created. He's written a graphic novel, Planet of the Apes, Visionaries, and for numerous television specials, and including critically adored The Ben Stiller Show, Parks and Recreation, The Simpsons, for which he was awarded two primetime Emmys, and starred in his own stand-up comedy specials, Dana Gould, Let Me Put My Thoughts in You, and Dana Gould, I Know It's Wrong. He's also the host of an essential monthly pop culture podcast called The Dana Gould Hour and is currently writing, hosting, and starring in the internet talk show Sensation Hanging with Dr. Z. In fact, a brand new episode just dropped this week. Frank and I are happy to welcome back one of the funniest and most knowledgeable people we know, a performer who's played everyone from Newt Gingrich to Wilfred Brimley and worked with everyone from Bob Hope to Bobcat Goldthwait, and a man who once penned a Simpsons episode under the name Lawrence Talbot. A man of a thousand obsessions, Dana Gould. <laughs> Hearing all that, how am I broke? How is is it possible? (laughs) Welcome, Dana. How is it that I'm selling cameras? What what, what happened? (laughs) I'm wearing a cardboard belt. (laughs) I'm wearing a a barrel. A barrel and suspenders. Good Christ. Hi, Gilbert. Welcome back, my friend. (laughs) Nice to see you guys. Now, now you wanted to talk about Dwight Fry, so we better start right away. Anybody, anybody who dies on a bus, I want to talk about. <laughs> so, did did he die on a bus or walking down the street? I heard walking down the street on a bus. I heard he was uh, on his way to work. He worked at an aircraft plant, and he had a, a massive heart attack. He was working at an aircraft plant. He was getting ready to play the Secretary of Defense in the Woodrow Wilson biopic that was then gearing up. That was big talk, and it was going to be a big job. He hadn't had one in a while, and he was excited about it, but he was still working at an aircraft plant, and he suffered a massive coronary uh, on the bus to work, from what I understand. If Joe Dante says he died on a bus, he died on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> Don't <laughs> gonna, I'm not going to get it. Not going to question it. And I heard in the obituary, uh, they said Dwight Fry tool designer. 
yes, that's what he put as his job. He was working at an aircraft factory working on constructing aircraft for World War II. And that was his job in the factory. And that's what he put. He was a very self-effacing kind of modest, kind of modest guy. And and on Broadway or wherever, he was like uh, actually a song and dance man. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. And we were, we were talking about this before in, in, in both Dracula and Frankenstein, which are, are, they're great, but they're very mannered film. You know, there is that thirties sort of theatrical, yes. oh, Henry, don't tell oh, me yeah. you're leaving Henry. <laughs> but he gives very modern performances. Yes. Like he's like Renfield is a very modern performance. And like when, when Carl, which is the name of the character in Frankenstein, people assume it's Igor because it's become Igor, but the character's name was Carl. He's when he stops to pull up his socks going up the stairs, like there's a lot of really funny, small, real behavioral moments that no one else in those movies are doing. And it, it's funny. It's always in when you talk Frankenstein, they always say, oh, and his hunchback assistant, Igor. And uh, it was like, Carl or, or which one was Carl and which one was Fritz? Was it Bride of? No, you're right. I'm wrong. It was it was Fritz, Fritz in Frankenstein. And then he played a character named Carl in The Bride of Frankenstein. He yes. Was played, he did a different character. Uh, so good call on that. I was wrong. And Lugosi was actually Igor. Played Igor yeah. in Son of Frankenstein. Yeah. And that's an, and you know, Lugosi, who gets a lot of crap, as being a mannered actor, which I disagree with. He's great in that role. Terrific. Terrific in that role. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Lugosi also looks like he's having fun. Yes. As Igor. Which he doesn't in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, Lugosi winds up only being on screen in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman for, I think, six minutes. Yeah, is that and now, now have you? I know you've discussed the di- his dialogue in that movie. Yes. By the way, the these conversations is why this podcast should be called Operation Panty Drop. <laughs> <laughs> we we toyed with that title. <laughs> like, here we go. If if you can't get pussy talking about Dwight Fry, then you're hopeless. What about skeleton eggs? That's a yeah. panty dropper I'm too. Gonna, I'm gonna throw down Bernard Jukes and it's gonna be like Bob Guccione in the 70s. But um you know, he had the, he had dialogue and then they laughed at it in this, in the preview. And so they cut it all because it was Frankenstein's monster, but it was, he was doing Igor's voice and they cut it all. But there are still scenes in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman where he's moving his lips yes. and you don't hear anything. <laughs> and the reason he's walking around and what invented the Frankenstein walk. You know, when people do a Frankenstein walk, it's Lugosi and Frankenstein. Yeah. And what invented that was he was also supposed to be blind. Right. He was blind from the end of Son of Frankenstein. Uh And, um, oh, Ghost of Frankenstein. Ghost of Frankenstein. Oh, God, I'm so... And because that's when he says, Frankenstein, you played on me a trick. You know, Dana, we had Donnie Dunnigan on this show. Wow. How old is he now? Oh, in his 80s. Yeah. Yeah. He was terrific. Terrific. He's he's plug and play. Ask him one question. You got a 40 minute podcast. Oh, that's that's fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, he's great. And we had Janet Ann Gallo, too, who passed who passed away last year. She was from Ghost of. Ghost of. Yeah. You know, uh. You talked about my uh, my my story my storied career um, a year ago before, so it was 2019. I had the very uh, great pleasure of spending a lot of time with Mel Brooks. Um, we we worked on a project together that shall remain nameless, but may may happen. Oh, good. Um, and Hope it does. Uh, but he was talking about 
making a young Frankenstein. And he was like, you know, so we, I call, I call Kenneth, is Kenneth Strickfan, is this, I call him up. And, and I said, well, you know, do, could you recreate this Dr. Frankenstein said, he goes, it's at my garage. I don't have to read. <laughs> <laughs> we drove to Venice and it's in his garage. It's, we just put, we took it out of the garage, put it in the car. We had two days later, it was set up. <laughs> it's a great story. And, and I told him, I told him, uh, Greg Nicotero, who is the exact producer of the walking dead. And, you know, mm -hmm. is a big monster guy. He's the, if you ever see KNB effects as especially, he's the N in KNB effects. Big nerd guy, one of us. And uh, he owns the operating table from Young Frankenstein that he bought at a show. And I said to Mel, I go, now, Mel, my friend Greg owns the operating table from Young Frankenstein. And he just goes, why? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and he signed it. And he, he signed it. And I think he signed the picture. Of, What's Greg? What is wrong with you, Mel? <laughs> you know, it's funny. And talking about the uh, mechanics, you know, Strittbatten's yeah. uh, inventions, number one, there's nothing there that really makes any sense. <laughs> it's, a, lot of, a lot of Tesla coils. Yeah. I mean, it sounds great and it lights up and spins around. Nothing does anything, <laughs> and, and it's all powered by lightning. Yes, yeah, so it doesn't work without a kite. <laughs> and what State if, of the art. You know, if the if the lightning didn't hit the kite, but all right, same time. Everybody, be back tomorrow. Come in with three new ideas tomorrow. <laughs> oh, and in Bride of Frankenstein, I think it is. I mean, there are no light bulbs or anything like that, but um, uh, Dwight Fry has a walkie-talkie. He <laughs> <laughs> he's got like he's got like the World War Two uh, yes. combat yes. phone, or like uh, Zach from uh, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> One, here's, here's a direction that was not heard on the Bride of Frankenstein uh, with Ernest Thessinger. You want to try one big? Just yeah. just try one big. See how it goes. <laughs> but for all the flaws of Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, it's, but, it's, since was, when I was a kid, though, it was my favorite a, movie. I was going to say that time. one. That I mean, one holds a soft spot in your uh, in your heart. Yeah. It well, you it know. doesn't. It gives you everything. Yep. You It's exactly what it promised, and and it's a really weird movie. I've talked about this before. The 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 heroes. What's motivating the hero of Frankenstein meets the Wolfman is he's trying to find a way to kill himself. Yeah. He just wants to die. And it's like, I'm like 10 years old. Like that's the guy I wanted to be. I wanted to grow up to be. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, Can't you and let me die. There's a part in a movie where they say, ah, uh, he's crazy. And Maria Spinskaya says, he is not crazy. He simply wants to die. <laughs> yeah, it's like, he's basically a comic. This is sort of part of your childhood, Dana. You didn't really set out to be a comic. I heard you in an interview, I think it was with Joe Dante, saying you wanted to be like Peter Cushing or you wanted to be Dwight, Dwight Fry. I, yeah. yeah, I wanted to be Dwight Fry. I wanted to be Dwight Fry. I just wanted to act in horror movies. That's all I wanted to do. And I didn't want to, like, act in anything. I didn't want to be on Big Valley. <laughs> I didn't want to be on, you know, Medical Center. I wanted to just act in horror movies. I wanted to live in that world. And then I thought, literally, like, well, I'll become... And then it was acting and, you know, just high school plays and being funny. And I thought, well, I'll just become a famous comedian and actor and i'll become so famous that they'll i'll write my own movies and they'll <laughs> and i'll be so famous they'll have to let me do them and it was one of those like the hardest way of becoming a writer it was like yes. i want to be a chef and if i'm elected to the senate they'll have to let me bake. <laughs> oh and to me the weakest part of frankenstein meets the wolfman is the actual fight between the two of them. That's <laughs> two the seconds long. <laughs> it's two seconds long and then water comes in.
Yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, which is so idiotic that that's the brainstorm. Oh, it was Valdick was the guy's name. <laughs> yes, wow. And, yes. and he says, uh, Valdick said he would explode the dam. And it's such an idiotic idea because wouldn't you kill everyone in the village? <laughs> yeah, and also, you who, who, who puts the castle? Where should we build a castle? Right in front of the dam seems yeah. like a good idea. There wasn't a lot of zone. There wasn't a lot of zoning in Carpathia. But, but one thing I love about I, just in the title, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Like I like that it doesn't presume they're gonna fight. It's like let's have a meet. Yeah, it, just, just, just over a cup of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> and, the original like, Frankenstein and the Wolfman drinks. We're what? just gonna see what happens. Yeah. Frankenstein the Wolfman at Starbucks. The 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 other great you talk about the 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 fact that none of the mechanics work in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, which is so true. And my, one of my other favorite movies of that genre in 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 King Kong versus Godzilla, which you know the remake of King Kong versus oh, yeah, Godzilla is the out, biggest right. movie of the year, which is insane to it's insane to me. But in the original one, it has that great thing where they go like, "Well, Godzilla is a reptile." And is harmed by electricity. Kong is a mammal, and electricity makes him stronger. <laughs> what? <laughs> because they had to find him. Because he gets struck by lightning, and then he and then he's strong enough to beat up Godzilla. You can't just make up physics. <laughs> and then there was that that King, uh, another Japanese movie where it was a robot. King Kong. Oh yeah, yeah. King Kong escapes. King Kong escapes. Yeah, and and right. you think Mecha about Kong. it, and you go, they're creating a giant robot. Why does it have to look, <laughs> look like, like King Kong? Kong? Wasn't there a mechanical Godzilla too, Dana? <laughs> Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, Mecha Godzilla. Mecha Godzilla is in the is in the the sequel of well, is in the remake that's coming out in the summer. I can't like, I I can't believe those those things happen and you, and you, you are outside your body a little bit. Like one of a movie that I loved, I thought it was great. Dawn of the planet of the apes. I was watching it. I was like, this is a remake oh, yeah. of battle for the planet of the apes that cost a hundred million dollars, which is about a hundred and a hundred million dollars more than battle for the planet of the apes. Cost. And it was fantastic, but it was like, this is a, this is a remake of a Saturday matinee, programmer you know it's like when is when is the multi-million dollar hold that ghost coming out with, <laughs> with brad pitt and george and, Clooney? yeah and also edward g robinson yeah was being considered for the part of dr zayas yes he did the makeup test but uh um he 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 did the makeup test and i i have to tell that i have to do it as charlton heston from the uh from the document, but Eddie had a bad ticker and uh, he didn't think he could survive under all that makeup. Nicely done. <laughs> had a, had a, Eddie had a bum ticker. That's <laughs> Battle is the one with Paul Williams, isn't it? Yeah, it's the one with Paul. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a tr it's awful, but, yeah, uh, it's not but, good. Be but beautifully awful. And but then when they did Silent Green, mm -hmm. you know, they said like, he came uh, back. yeah, Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson were friends. Yeah. And so that speech, that Edward G. Robinson gives, he, they said uh, Charlton Heston was actually crying. Because it was his last scene that yeah. he shot in his life. Wow. Yeah, I, I believe that completely. You know, I did uh, Politically Incorrect, the yeah. first Bill Maher show, mm -hmm. with Heston. And, you know, we disagreed on politics, obviously. He couldn't have been a nicer person. And at one point, like, he said something... And I disagreed with him and I said it in a way that was funny and they went right to commercial. So it looked like I shut him down. I didn't really, I got lucky. And he leans forward and like puts his hand and I'm like, no, 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 this can't. <laughs> and I thought he was going to rip me a new one. And he just went, so you're an actor. Things are going well. Obviously you're here and that's, that's good. And, and then they, then we chatted, love, end of commercial. This hippie doesn't know what he's talking about. Blah, blah, blah. End of commercial. You know, the, I remember once, you know, I, he sent me a photo from Planet of the Apes because we talked about it later. He, 
he was really old school in that way. Like that old, you know, your fans are your boss. And uh, he was, I can't say enough good about That's nice. And and I heard somebody told me they they were going to um, Charlton Heston's house or hotel room. (laughs) I think his house. And, you know, on a business thing, either to interview him or deliver something to him. I know this story. Yeah, and and the door opens up, and it's obviously there's a party going on. There's this company there. And Charlton Heston comes to the door with, like, a milk mustache <laughs> and a glass of milk. And he looks at the guy and goes, milk and cookies? <laughs> I don't know that story. That's amazing. <laughs> Milk and cookies. Damn. You also met Roddy, and you have a Roddy connection. As long as we're a, talking I, about yeah, Planet of the Apes cast, I have, a, I have a yeah, I have a weird Roddy connection. And somebody sent me today. There's a there's a TV show where Roddy and Vincent Price get in a fist fight. Oh my and god! I, and I, I, must, I, have to, I have to send you the photos. I, I must find that. It's, uh, I have it here, but I need to play with my phone that I'm recording. But um. Yeah, when I was married, my wife and I were looking at houses because we were getting ready to start our family and we knew we'd need a bigger house than where we lived. And we were looking in this house and it was great. It was a little out of our price range, but it was great. And uh, and then uh, the guy goes like, well, yeah, there's an, an, a famous actor used to live here. Who was it? it was Roddy McDowell used to live here. And I could feel my wife's eyes boring into the back of my head. <laughs> And uh, and we bought we bought the house. My 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 ex wife and children still live in it, and um, uh, and uh, it was you know they still get mail on occasion, don't they? We still get we get old social security office mail. It's great. I love it. And when Roddy was when Roddy was ill, uh, and and knew he was uh, his time was short, he uh, had everybody that he was friends with over the house, and he would give them stuff. Uh, like Dominic Dunn, here's a Planet of the Apes trash can, Dominic. Thank you for being my friend. And he, and when we moved into the house, and Roddy famously had parties that were benefits for the Screen Actors Guild retirement home. And so we continued that tradition in the house, and we would have these parties, and people would bring this stuff back and go, here, this really should be in the house. Oh, and so like, sweet. So, like, we started to get all of this, like, uh, oh, another, uh, we have another Planet of the Apes trash can. Uh, let's put it over here. <laughs> <laughs> Life is weird. Your favorite movie as a kid. And it was you get to, and, and you and get to move into Roddy McDowell's house. Very true. And as I, I met Roddy's sister, who at the time lived in the Screen Actors Guild retirement home, and I said, you know, I live in the house. If you ever want to come by and see it, famously, Elizabeth Taylor planted his rose bushes and they're mm-hmm. still there. So I said, if you ever want to come by and you know, see the rose bushes or, you know, the house is open to you whenever you want. And she just looked at me and he went, well, that would be weird. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. I once had a friend who uh, spoke to Roddy McDowell, and he said when he was a child, he was doing a movie over at Disney, and he got word that his mother had died. So uh, he well, he was old enough to drive or whatever, and he was he got in his car and was going to rush home, and at the door, the security says, "Oh, uh, uh Mr. McDowell." Uh, uh, Walt Disney wants to speak to you. And he was touched thinking he he cares about him. And he say and he says hello. And Disney says, uh, look, I'm sorry about your mother, but we're really running behind schedule. Here. <laughs> what are you, oh my god. And and Roddy McDowell said about Disney, he goes, He was a very cruel man. And a terrible anti-Semite. Oh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, where do you come up with this stuff? He did. He did have these famous parties at the house, and he would invite 
like mix and match people. And it would be like, you know, Fred Grandy from the Love Boat, Gregory Peck, you both play Mahjong. And then <laughs> Wait, yeah, he was a connector. <laughs> yeah, he was a connector. And, and I, I, I later met him uh, before when he still lived in his house and I hadn't bought it yet. Um, I met him and, uh, and yeah. And I said, you know what movie I love that you're in is, uh, the, the cool ones, which is like, as if you can't beat him, join him sixties hippie mm-hmm. comedy where he basically plays Phil Spector, a pre murderous Phil Spector. And, uh, and when I told him that he made the sign of the cross, like I was a vampire because it's like a famously so bad. It's good movie. And then he caught himself and he took it down and he goes, actually, that's a very good film. And I'm still friends with the director. We send postcards all the time. <laughs> it's like he, just, he would not say anything. He wouldn't say anything shitty about anybody. Can you talk a little bit about that picture that you and you and Roddy uh, took together? Oh, well, that was yeah, that was at my friend. Um, my friend Brian uh, bought the nine foot tall statue of the lawgiver from Planet of the Apes. And he bought it at the Sammy Davis Jr. estate sale. Don't you love that, Gil? <laughs> Sam, and, Sammy Davis owned a giant lawgiver statue for yeah. Planet of the Apes. And, and when we first heard about that, we assumed it was a, a horrible joke from Frank Sinatra was what we all just assumed uh-huh. it was. But it turned out to be Arthur P. Jacobs, who produced the movie, was friends with Sammy and Sammy said, I love the movie. And when that was done, it was a send that to Sammy. Yeah. Give it to Sammy. I love it. And it's, is it true that Sammy had like no money when he died? Yeah. For, uh, supposedly Alto Vise was like roaming around upstate New York, like looking for a place to stay. I think it was Alto Vise that really had the, 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 the rough go of it. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, all of those guys, it's, it's like, yeah. How do you, well, he did a lot of, he, he, I know he put a lot of money into recreational pharmaceuticals. Yes. <laughs> they say Sammy denied himself nothing. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, down, hanging out with Anton LaVey at the Ambassador Hotel. <laughs> One time, I, I think I was in, yeah, I was in Vegas and they had a driver for me and the driver said he once drove, uh, Jerry Lewis and Sammy Davis Jr. And they were both coked out of their heads. And they wanted to stop in a supermarket because every place in Vegas has slot machines. So they went in the supermarket (laughs) and there was uh, a coked out Jerry Lewis and Sammy Davis uh, playing the slot machines. (laughs) Wow. my God. In the local bohack. I mean, God, what wouldn't you give to have seen that? <laughs> just just three very dilated pupils. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dana, talk a little bit about how your obsession with, with Planet of the Apes has, has fueled your current role. Oh, it's so bizarre. As, as the host of the uh, hit yeah. talk show, <laughs> the hit, the hit ha- Hanging with Dr. Z. Yeah. Um, well, uh, years ago... Uh, when I was a writer on the Ben Stiller show, I had this idea to do uh, a, a bit. It was um, it was just uh, this was bef- it was a commercial for a, a, a you know like when a play comes to your town, they do the commercial like it, you know it's Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady coming to the Detroit Playhouse for yeah, two sure. weeks only, and they. So it was that, and it was going to be, it was a uh, Dr. Zayas is Hal Holbrook as Mark Twain. And it was Dr. Zayas, and you know, when I was a boy, I wanted to be a steamboat captain. And we never, uh, and I only wrote it because I wanted to do it. I wanted to get the makeup on uh-huh, and do it. That's the uh-huh. only reason I wrote it. Um, and we got canceled before we got a chance to do it. And then literally, like, 10 more than that, like 14 years later, John Hodgman was talking about, he'd found a photo of the uh, Maurice Evans reading a biography of Mark Twain on the set of the movie, which I didn't even know existed. And he was doing some internet competition of, can we have, and I said, Oh, that's, I wrote that sketch like 15 years ago. I wrote that sketch. And he said, well, 
would you want to do it at my show up in San Francisco at Sketchfest? And I was about to say, like, no, I can't do that. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. Greg Nicotero from KNBFX is one of my best friends. I get, I get a little bit of money I could spend. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. Let me call right back. <clears throat> so I called Greg Nicotero. Hey, Greg, Stan, is anybody over there that could do a, like a, a, a movie quality Dr. Zayas makeup on me uh, in San Francisco? You know, I'll fly him up, put him up. Hang on a minute. Hey, do you want to go to San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, so I did it and it's on YouTube. If you go like, if you do like Dr. Zayas Mark Twain, you can see it on YouTube mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and the makeup, it works and it's funny because it's exactly what they did in the movie. It's, it's precisely what Maurice Evans wore and he comes out in the Mark Twain suit and he does the bit. And when you could feel the audience seeing that it wasn't just a cheap, crappy mask, that it really was the whole thing. And it was so surprising to mm -hmm. them that it mm -hmm. was just that great tsunami. And then I ended up doing it again. And then I did it like, uh, it was Dr. Zayas is William Shatner. Love that reciting. one. Reciting was the night before Christmas. And, and that's on YouTube. Yeah. And I just started doing this and then, but, and then it just started to evolve as a character as I would do it in these. And then I did it. It's, I did it for Turner classic movies, introducing the movie planet of the apes or fathom events. And Ben Mankiewicz had me on as Dr. Zayas. And I always do it with Andy Schoenberg, who's the makeup artist. And that was the first time that I just played him like Sammy. Like he was an actor in a movie, but he did a bunch of other stuff. He goes, you know, before I did Planet of the Apes, I was doing, I was at the Pasadena Playhouse doing with Six You Get Egg Roll with a very young Lindsay Wagner. And she's a delight <laughs> right out of the game. You know, and it just, and it just became this sort of like... The, the 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 guy that I always remember is like Peter Lawford, like some guy in 1976 who's just knows everybody, goes everywhere, does everything. And that and we just started to play the character like he was just this, you know, he would tell these stories about like it was 1979 and I was doing a little movie called Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. You're welcome. And I'm driving <laughs> home and I. I'd taken a little something to stay awake, so I was at the corner of Vineland and Delauded, if you know what I'm saying. You know, just like old showbiz stories. Yeah, with Mankiewicz, so, you're doing Tony Fields references. Yeah, Tony Fields yeah. references. And then, and then, um, uh, uh, Rob Cohen, who was a, a was a writer on the Ben Stiller show, and and we've written a lot of stuff together, said uh, we should do that as a talk show, just like he's like a Dick Cavett kind of name droppy talk show host. And so we did it and uh, we did it, um, you know, on lockdown, we did it like this. We did like space goes. So there's, it was COVID friendly, COVID mm -hmm. safe, but it's uh, yeah, it's just Dr. Zay is hosting a talk show <laughs> and it's called hanging. It's on YouTube and it's called hanging with Dr. Z and uh, it's yeah, great. And he's just, and he, and it's all like that Dick Cavett, like I was in a scrimshaw class with Tody Fields and she told me, that you know, you know, she just knows everybody. And it's not just old Hollywood. It's like, you know, I, I if I have one regret, it's introducing Phil Spector to the Ramones. That's my regret. It, <laughs> you know, it, like, it, yeah. it is a little Peter Lawford. Which, yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very Zell. It's very Zelig. You yeah. know, it's very, he's just like. Was it the first Planet of the Apes that had Claude Aikens in it? No, that was Battle. That was the last one. That was Battle. And that's actually a joke in, in one of them where I, I'm talking to Bobcat Goldthwait. And I'm like, I don't remember. It was either at Simon Oakland Fest or Claude Aikens Fest. But you and I. <laughs> that's the one where, yeah, Claude Aikens plays a gorilla and he holds a pimento seat up and goes, ouch. <laughs> oh, no. This entire podcast began because Gilbert and I would sit on the phone for hours discussing people like Simon Oakland. Sure. That's that was the sure. birth of this show. Darren yeah. fin finally saying there must be somebody interested in this stuff yeah. besides you two idiots. <laughs> it's so and true. And we're still waiting to find that person. <laughs> we're still Simon waiting. Do Simon, uh, well, Claude Akins is in, he's in two of my favorite movies. He's in Battle for the Planet of the Apes and he's in the TV movie, The Night Stalker, which is oh, one of yeah. my favorite movies. He's the, he's the chief of police or the sheriff's sheriff's deputy that hates Darren McGavin. 
Isn't it James Gregory who has the part in the uh, in the early Planet he's of the in, Apes? He's in Beneath the Planet of the but Apes, ben, a part beneath, that was Beneath a part that was turned down by Orson Welles. Wow! And uh, and one of and Beneath the Planet of the Apes, one of the weirdest movies of all time, right up there with Frankenstein meets the Wolfman in terms of how far afield. At the end of the movie, it's two astronauts from the future and their cave girlfriend fighting telepathic radioactive mutants trying to get to a nuclear bomb yeah, with a race bomb. of talking apes do it. It's, it's, it with the late Gregory Sierra turns up in that. That's right. Gregory yeah. Sierra and James Gregory, and the Barney Gar Miller Barney, beneath the planet Bar of the apes connection. I Barney remember Miller. one time sitting in a lounge at the Friars Club and Darren McGavin was there in a bathrobe. And he asked me <laughs> this is a Dr. If, Z story. <laughs> if I could get if I could get his TV remote to work. And I tried to and I, and I couldn't. And I felt so bad. <laughs> I thought he was my chance, you know. I yeah. helped out Darren McGavin, okay. but I couldn't get it to work. I think you got to put hanging with the friars, uh, hanging at the friars with Darren McGavin into yeah. Dr. Z. <laughs> yeah. Work, True. work that work that in. Peter Billingsley, who was the child in A Christmas Story, yeah. uh, who I know, uh, speaks very... Again, Darren McGavin is one of those guys everybody speaks really well of. Like, he was a regular... Like, it was a job he knew about. And he, and the weird thing that Peter Billingsley said about him was that he knew everything. He's like, like if a door wasn't opening, he would know how to fix it. <laughs> like, like, hey, you gotta, you gotta chuck that screw there and that door will swing you, out. You told, you <laughs> told me that Darren McGavin story, Dana, the, where, with Dan Curtis was pitching a fit. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Curtis, who produced the Night Stalker and the Night Strangler and Dark Shadows, Dark Shadows. and Winds of War and all those things, was a famous uh, temper tantrum thrower. There's gonna be a better way to say that. Was an asshole. I guess that's how you say it. <laughs> um, and it was the last night of shooting The Night Strangler, the TV movie. And they had like three shots or four shots left. And it was late. And Dan Curtis just uncorked on some poor crew guy. Just, you know, lost his crap and just screamed at this guy who did nothing for no reason. Guy had no authority, couldn't say anything in his own defense. And finally, McGavin just went, all right, Dan, you got enough. I'm going home. <laughs> Just left. <laughs> How about that, Gil? Walked off the set. But then at the gate, they stopped him and said that Roddy McDowell's mother had died and then Walt Disney wanted to talk to him. <laughs> and, and out of nowhere, Darren McCaffin said, this is why I hate the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, speaking of people in... Speaking of people in... Bathrooms, I remember... I would some I don't remember where I was. It was me and it was at the improv and and uh and Rodney was sitting, you know in the LA improv, right when you yeah. walk in the front door, the the steps go up. Yes. Rodney was sitting on the steps, but he had on a robe. He had on pants and a robe. Like he, I don't know what was happening. You're lucky he had pants on. We heard uh, I know, yeah. I know. I've heard we those heard stories. some other stories. And was and was sitting there and uh, like he, he and Bud's talking to him and I'm just kind of standing there and he drops like a book of matches or something and Bud goes to pick it up for him and goes I can get it Jesus Christ Jews <laughs> <laughs> one you are Jewish two he's just picking it up Ginsburg right yeah yeah. My favorite part of an unnecessary music scene, but I love it when it comes on, is the uh, the uh, the party of the new wines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come that's... one, come all, and sing this song. <laughs> and then that weird. For life is short. And death, and death is, is long, long for <laughs> It's also, it's Frank as I meet the Wolfman. Not without a music scene. <laughs> I know what this movie needs. And it's the most unnecessary scene. But when it happens, I go, ah, oh, here's the far. He looks far forward far to it. Yeah. yeah. Gilbert, I'm throwing some trivia at you. 
uh, aside from aside from Paul Williams, two other podcast guests that we've had that have appeared in a Planet of the Apes movie. Ooh. And and I only talk about the original five. Ooh. Oh, okay. He won't get it, so I'll tell him. Don Murray. Oh. Is in Conquest okay. of the right. Planet of the Apes, and M. Emmett Walsh is in been, is in Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Yes, he is in Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Yes, very good. And, which, and, which you which you called the best Love American style episode of all. Yeah, time. It is. It's basically a. <laughs> it's a, it's basically if if Planet if the original Planet of the Apes is basically the best episode of the Twilight Zone. It's basically Twilight Zone the motion picture. It was written by Rod Serling. It's got the plot structure of a Twilight Zone. It's got yeah. a great twist at the end. It's got a. It's a beautiful giant Twilight Zone movie. It's Escape true. from the Planet of the Apes is Love American style, except at the very end because. Every Planet of the Apes movie ended. All the endings are dark. All the endings are bleak. Planet of the Apes ends with the, uh, him, Charlton Heston discovering that he's on Earth the whole time and the Earth was destroyed by nuclear war. No spoilers, Dana. Yeah. Beneath the Planet of the Apes ends. Beneath the Planet of the Apes ends. And it's a very interesting story how this happened. They blow up the world. Everyone's dead. Thanks for coming to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to escape from the planet of the apes like how do we end it i know we'll shoot a baby <laughs> the end of beneath the planet of the apes they shoot a baby like just, <laughs> <laughs> and then the mother of the baby throws the baby into the bay it is the darkest thing i've ever seen it's dark that's a good move. It's good, right? We'll just shoot the baby and then we'll get out of here before five. It's great. Um, and then, and conquest of the planet of the apes is really conquest of two blocks of the apes. Yeah. It's not really the whole planet. And what did you think of the more current, you know, computerized planet of the apes? I, I, the, the Tim Burton one, I don't like at all. The new ones I thought were great. I thought, it's a different thing, but they're well done. They're well written. They didn't insult my intelligence. It's not the old stuff, but it's you can't do that again. I thought I I did. I thought they were really great. I, I thought they were for what they were. I thought they were pretty good. Matt Reeves. Yeah. 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 I thought they were fine. I thought they were fine. They're well done. Before we got on the air, we were talking about when Don Knotts was a big star in film. And it was really weird when I watch when I watch those films, because a lot of them look like the Andy Griffith show mm -hmm. with the especially, same with the same es people, yeah, especially yeah, the, same especially cast. the ghost of Mr. Chicken. Yeah, we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. The one that's perplexing to me is the Love God, because oh, it's like that one. That one was because his career was falling apart and we were getting into the hippie era yeah. and, and free love and sex and all that stuff. So this was their way of making him contemporary to put him in this movie. I just like the media, you know, there's two things, two things they can't yeah, Don Knotts and fucking. We, we yeah. gotta get those together. <laughs> I, I don't think Don Knotts was Hyken's first choice for, for, for the love God. I don't know, but it's such a weird, weird. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about uh, Bobcat Goldthwait for my birthday gave me the one sheet for the love God. I have it in the other room. It's, yeah. it's, it's very Casino Royale. Yeah. I, I think Don Knotts is supposed to be like Bob Guccione. Yeah. Yeah. Basically he's Hugh Hefner. Yeah. He's yeah. And I met, I met Don. Uh, he came in to do the to the Simpsons, and then uh, I I met him. I I after he passed away. If you hear Don Knotts on the Simpsons, it's usually me. Mm -hmm. um, but then I met him at an at an autograph, the celebrity autograph show they used to have them here in L.A. at the Beverly Garland Holiday Inn, and I had my Ghost of Mister Chicken window card, and I I said. Uh, could you sign this? Do calm and murder go together? And he went, "Is that a line from the movie?" <laughs> I was like, I'm like, "Yeah, it is." It is. Oh. And then Karen, his daughter, told you some years oh, yeah. later that so she, I that did a bit. 
I did, used to do a bit on my first album about I, how much I loved Don Knotts and that his voice was, the bit was his voice was so specific that he couldn't make obscene phone calls. <laughs> I'm sure there were nights when he couldn't sleep. He's up in a bathroom. I've been looking at you through the bedroom window. Is this Don Knotts? <laughs> <laughs> and so Karen Knotts comes up to me. And she goes, I love that bit you do about my dad. It's like, have you heard it? <laughs> it's Gil, terrible. Gil, what makes you what makes you say the movies are like the Andy Griffith show? Because I watched Ghost and Mr. Chicken. It's written by two Andy Griffith writers, Fritzel and Greenbaum. It's right. directed by Alan Rafkin, who was a big Andy Griffith guy. And and Ada Boy Luther was uh pitched by Andy. Oh, he had something to do with that script, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he came yeah. Don Don let him read the script and he was like, Yeah, here's here's what I'd do. Here's what I do. It's a Barney character. Yeah, it just seems like uh, like the movie crew would show up at the Mayberry set or whatever yeah. and go, you, 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 and you, uh, you're in the movie, and uh, let's write it and make it exactly like the Andy Griffith show. It's like the, it's like the Spanish Dracula in 31. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Holy Ghost's crew comes in, the other crew comes in. Yes. The, first, the first two actors you encounter are Hal Smith, who played Otis the drunk. Oh, plays Otis do, Campbell. Doing a drunk character. Yeah, he's playing and, Otis Campbell. And Aunt B's best, bestie, Clara. Right. Are, the, are the first two actors that actually show up. And you really Elmer, think you're... Elmer Weems, you're dead. Exactly. You're, it's like you're watching an extended Andy Griffith. Uh, and, and just like how in the Andy Griffith show, he'd have his moment of pathos uh, in his movies. There'd be yeah, one scene good. where like, oh, this is the touching scene. Where he's on, yeah, where he's on the porch. Where, well, you get an, now you get an average guy and an above average girl. And, uh, well, you know, I'm just... Uh, <laughs> Average is average is really lucky to be on the same porch as above average. There was that uh, I think it was called the reluctant astronaut. Oh, yeah, yeah. A, that was the that was a great one. Yeah, that was good. a great one. It's good. And Mr. Limp and Mr. Limpet is, is excellent. Oh, I I like Mr. Limpet. Yeah, yeah. Jack Weston. Re- reluctant. Yeah, Jack Weston is in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's one scene where he's walking down the street and he gets grabbed by a bunch of guys to go into the bar. And they force him to drink. And I'm going, okay, this is really <laughs> weird why they would grab him off the street and force drinks down his throat. And it was there for no other reason than for Don Notch to do his drunk act. Okay. Had nothing to do with the movie at all. Well, they were vehicles. They were <laughs> Don Notch vehicles. You know that cast, Dana, which you talked about, uh, Rita Shaw. Cliff Norton, Charles Lane, Herbie Faye, Charles Gil- Lane. Gilbert, you know yeah. these actors. Jim yes. Mul- uh, James Mulholland, Burt Mustin. Burt Mustin's, yep. Yeah. It's spooky. It's eerie. It's the Ghost and Mr. Chicken, starring three-time Emmy Award winner Don Knotts as the world's bravest coward. I have been called brave. Now, let me clarify this. As you see, I'm a lion with girls, a tiger with men, and I'm just naturally at home in a haunted house. So what's brave? How should I know? I'm chicken. Mr. Chicken to you. In this motion picture, he starts as a roving reporter. Now he's a raving reporter trying to solve a murder mystery in a house of terror. And he'll scare you silly. Don Knotts in The Ghost and Mr. Chicken in Technicolor. And you're chicken if you miss this movie. And Bert Muskin was one of those people that was born a hundred years old. <laughs> 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 and I'm, the, the other great thing about The Ghost and Mr. Chicken is it has never been remade. And I know of 17 different attempts. Like the, at one point, the Fat Boys were going to remake it. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, it's like, remember when Whoopi Goldberg was going to remake A Face in the Crowd? You know, it's just like, oh, it's, yes. It's like, whatever happened to kill these projects, it's so great <laughs> that we've never, you know. Well, I think, I think Gilbert and I are suckers. Aren't we, Gilbert, for any good haunted house movie? Like, I oh, like, oh, I think yes. Hold That Ghost is, is, uh, you know, one of the best A&C movies. Did you ever see something called Murder, he says, Dana, with Fred McMurray? No. You got, you got to find it. Murder, he says. With Marjorie Maine. 
and mm, and really then good. when they were teaming up Don Knotts with Tim Conway, yeah, oh, yeah. and the oh, apple yeah. dump and the apple dumpling gang stuff, and the private eyes, but yeah. that never worked for me. No, no, I I didn't see any chemistry there. No, and it was just it's it's Don is such a specific. He's he's asparagus. You know, it's like. It doesn't go with it's it's gonna be it's just gonna be asparagus. You can't put asparagus in a pie. <laughs> you know? Or you know, it's it's, it's this. It's it, it's this and it's if you like it and you serve it this way, it's great every time. Don't put it with anything else. Oh, and he was once Don Notch was once on Hollywood Squares. And uh the host goes, um, okay. Uh, you have trouble sleeping at night. Uh, are you a man or a woman? And he says, that's why I have trouble sleeping at night. <laughs> <laughs> that is he's great. also, you ever see Pleasantville, Dana? Yes, he's Funny great. He's, he's yeah. great in Pleasantville. So, so, fun, to, so yeah. fun to see him. What do you know yeah. about Frances Bavier being devoured by her cats? Uh, well, I heard that she was the one, she was very hard to get along with, that she kind of felt, it was, it, it was Frances Barbie was kind of felt she was above it. And I think it wasn't, it was the guy that played Commissioner Gordon. Neil Hamilton. Neil Hamilton. Yeah. Also thought he was above it and, and didn't want to be there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And say it's preservus i swear i'm telling the truth and uh and that that i i think that she was the one that was hard to get along with in the cast she was eaten by her cat but gilbert yeah. gilbert likes to promote this bullshit story that she was devoured by her pets i hope so well you know and they go first <laughs> for the so, he first for the uh, first for the eyes and then the tongue that's where they go and i heard at one point uh when she moved away when she moved out of Hollywood, I forget where she moved to, another state, and she wanted to escape from Hollywood, and there she was the biggest star of in course, the world. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course, yeah. If you want to escape from Hollywood, stay right here. And and one time, Andy and Ron Howard made a trip to visit her after at, she had uh -huh. been on the show for a while, and she spoke to them through the you know Screen? fence in the door <laughs> uh, she wouldn't uh invite them in so andy and ron howard are standing on the porch now the francis and you can open the door and <laughs> let us in do you guys want to try this don knots thing that we uh that we prepared since boy, gilbert, oh boy. since gilbert does a uh, a pretty serviceable floyd the barber all right just a little something some, what do you think, Gil? Oh, okay. I'll this try is, it. We're going to call this, it's a we're wonderful. We're going to do a sketch. It's a wonderful fife. <laughs> 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 and Don is, Don is George Bailey, has been cast as George Bailey. And uh, Howard McNear, also Floyd, known as Floyd the Barber, has been cast as uh, Mr. Potter. So take right, it away. And this, is, this is before the stroke. Just so you yeah, know. Yeah, so, yeah. It's pretty yeah. stroke. Before Floyd. he was sitting in his own barber chair. Who's <laughs> <laughs> that? Like, he's just... the barber. Why is he sitting in the barber chair? This makes absolutely no try, sense. Try, try to do the pre-stroke, Floyd. Go yeah, on. please, it's pre-stroke, Floyd. You have to, you have to specify. <laughs> By the way, the pre-stroke, Floyd's one of the great oh, punk yeah. bands of oh, the early yeah. 80s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Now I'm in trouble, Mr. Potter. I need help. Now through some sort of an accident, my company's short of their accounts. The bank examiner got there today. I gotta raise eight thousand dollars of medium. Oh, oh, uh, that's what the reporters wanted to talk to you about. The reporters. Oh, 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 yes. They called me from your building and loan about an hour ago. What? And, oh, there's a man over there from the DA's office, too. He was 
He was looking for you, too. <laughs> oh, please help me, Mr. Potter. Help me, won't you, please? Can't you see what it means to my family? I'll pay any sort of bonus on the loan, any interest. Now, if you still want the building and loan. I hold you, George. Could it, could it possibly be there's a slight discrepancy in the books? No, sir. There is nothing wrong with the books. I have misplaced $8,000. I can't find it anywhere. Oh, you... Oh, yes. You... You misplaced $8,000. Yes, sir. (laughs) Have you notified the police? No, sir. I don't want the publicity. Harry's homecoming's tomorrow. Oh, there... They're going to believe that one. Uh, what have you been doing, George? Playing the market with the company's money? No, sir. No, sir. I haven't. Is it? Is it a woman then? You know, it's all over town. You've been giving money to Violet Vic. What? Uh, <laughs> not that it makes any difference to me. Uh, uh, but why didn't you go to Sam... Wainwright and, and and ask him for money. Well, I can't get a hold of him. He's in Europe. Well, well, what about all your other friends? I don't have that kind of money. Mr. Potter, you know that. You're the only one in town that can help me. <laughs> I've suddenly become quite important. All right, if, if I gave you a loan... Uh, what kind of security would would I have in return? Got any stocks, bonds, real estate you can use for collateral of any kind? Well, I have some life insurance. I have a fifteen thousand dollar policy. Oh yes, how much? How much equity? Well, there's there's five hundred dollars. Five five hundred dollars, and you ask me to lend you. 8,000. Look at you crawling in here on, on, on your hands and knees with nothing but a miserable little $500 equity in an insurance policy. You're worth more dead than alive. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> Gentlemen, <laughs> they should have done this. Barney, Barney, and Floyd should have done the odd couple. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a spoon, it's a ladle. <laughs> oh my god, Gilbert, how long has it been since you did Floyd the Barber? Now it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you a couple of questions from listeners? You know, Nirvana has a song called Floyd the Barber oh, yeah? on, uh, on their first album, Bleach. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Dana, this is from Mark Skoback. Where does Dana rank the four? What, is, what did he think of the 1974 live action Planet of the Apes and the 1975 cartoon? Oh, the TV series. I'm not a fan of the TV series. You know, it was just one of those things where it's like they didn't have, the the money wasn't there. It was I just I'm just don't like it. I, it doesn't really it didn't really sing for me. And the cartoon was just yeah. Even even as a kid, even as a kid with a cartoon, I was like, okay, enough. If 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 <laughs> to use an to use an expression you may not want to keep on the show, it was all fucked out. <laughs> <laughs> We'll keep it. And Martin Bow wants to know what is. Uh, you're a big Vincent Price fanatic, as we know. What is what does Dana think of the Doctor Goldfoot movies? I fucking love Doctor Goldfoot movies. <laughs> the, fa- the fact that the fact that they. I mean, it's 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 really my favorite kind of thing. And it, 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 it not unlike the Love Goddard Casino Royale, like it's it's sort of like what Austin Powers was was lovingly parodying, but that. That period from like 65 to 69 and when the, the when the people that weren't groovy were making fun of the people that were groovy, um, you know, any, you know, any guy over 40 in a Nehru jacket 
<laughs> you know, it didn't make sense. Uh -huh. And but I, I love the fact that you know Vincent Price gets a Manila envelope. Well, there's the new script. Let me open it up and see what I'll be doing next week. Rip, Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Bombs. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> so we're gonna actually stop right there and call this a part one with the funny Dana Gould because, frankly, we were all having too much fun and there was too much good stuff that we didn't want to cut out and take away from you guys. So, don't forget to check out Hanging with Dr. Z on YouTube or hangingwithdrz.com to check out Dana and with hilarious support from the wonderful Chris Japan. We will see you next week for a very funny part two that also includes the return of the requested price comparison skit that you guys loved so much the first time. And we will catch you next week with more of Dana Gould. <laughs>